Jonathan Zaslow is in. Hey. You didn't do your signature thing that you always do when I say Zaslow is in. You were a little slow on it. You're a little off your game today. Are you going to be okay? What's my signature thing? I, I, I said, hey, good, good to see you. Good to be here on a Wednesday night. Is that my signature? They, that's the kind of energy okay. I need from All you. Right. At Zaslow Show. That is how you find him. At Amber W Sports. That is how you find what me. Amber and Ian is start for me. Amber and Ian is presented by Progressive Insurance. For a job you'll love, visit Progressive.com slash careers. I expected you to be fired up. It's a big day, Jonathan Zaslow, a big day because Zach Wilson is going to be free like a bird. The sweet Wilson bird that was. Uh, I have spent a lot of my career very weirdly here over the last few years defending Zach Wilson. I'm not really sure why. It's a very odd thing to do. I think namely because we share a last name. Yeah, you're so inclined I felt a little to bit defend bad for Wilsons. Him. Is, I mean, is there a I, Wilson, Russell Wilson you love too? Is there a Wilson out there that you won't defend? True. Is there a Wilson you Russell won't Wilson go some. to bat for? Who are they? Uh, I'm, I'll think of one. Uh, give me some time to mull over that. Wilson? But. Uh, well, um, uh, give me some. Well, somebody in my family, Is obviously. I have to choose somebody in my family. <laughs> no, and I've never seen that movie. It oh. looks stupid, okay? Uh, Which I can't movie? tell you how many volleyball. The Castaway. Uh, what? When you're when your last name is Wilson, all anybody does is yell at you, Wilson, wherever you go. I mean, he was a go. great friend for Tom Hanks there for years. What about, what about Tim Allen's neighbor? Oh, yes, that's, that's a, a classic Wilson. Wilson. That's a very good Wilson. That is a good Wilson, yeah, that yeah, Wilson. You yeah. only ever saw the brim of the hat and the eyes, uh, that Every Wilson. episode, I'm like, Wilson! Is today going to be the day we see his face? I looked forward to it every Never episode. did. We never, never did. ever did. They got us. Did. We never did. I want to under- hear this Wilson. I, I, want, I want this Wilson to pop up sometime that you won't defend, that you just come out and you tell everybody, you know what? That guy or girl, they're a real piece of garbage. I can't have them All share right, my I- name. I will think about the Wilson that I refuse to defend in yeah. sports. But Zach Wilson is not that Wilson because I have felt bad for him during his very tumultuous time with the Jets. I have felt like they mishandled the situation. I don't know if he's going to be a great starting quarterback in the National Football League. That was never the argument. I just felt like the Jets had really bobbled this whole thing with him over the years. Well, now they have given him permission to seek a trade. Joe Douglas, he is the Jets general manager. Here is Douglas talking about giving Zach Wilson that permission. I've had good conversation with his agent Brian Ariel. Um, we where we are exactly. We, we've given we've given them permission um, to talk to other teams about a trade. Um, I'm going to circle back with Brian at some point, um, either this week or next week, just to see how those conversations go. I mean, of course, so there you have it. Of, of course, they're going to allow him to seek a trade. That one's always funny to me, Amber, where they allow the player and the agent to seek a trade. It's like, listen. I'm really busy over here with the things that are important for us. So just you do it and let me know what you find. And by the way, exactly what that is. That's basically, I don't have time for this because the market's so small for you. You're going to get so little in return for you that I'm not wasting my time calling these teams. I'm not wasting my time calling 31. You do that. You'll let me know. Yeah. What you are going to be doing next year is so uninteresting to me. All right, so you figure it out, and then bring it back to me. That's what's happening here. That's, and, and you know what? By the way, Amber, I don't think that there's going to be a single team that offers anything for him. I think they're going to wind up uh, having to cut him. 
Yeah, I, I would imagine that that's the case as well. And we'll see. I mean, if they offered anything for him, it would be uh, not much. A conditional seven in return is what it's going to be. It would be, it would be like something like that. Which is, I mean, we're talking about a number two overall pick. It's remarkable. Just a few years removed from that position, by the way. And we still, yes, he struggled with accuracy. He struggled with certain things throughout his Jets career. Don't get me wrong. But there's also, again, things that you can point to with the way that things have been handled by this coaching staff. And frankly, by this front office as well, and maybe excuse some of the lack of development of Zach Wilson away in that regard. So could a team see some promise in Zach Wilson? It's potentially possible, but I don't think even though he's 24 and I do think he'll end up with a job because I do think there will be that idea out there that, hey, maybe we not not that he's going to be a starter, but hey, maybe we can get something out of him. Maybe there's more to this. Maybe this was a Jets disaster, but this isn't actually a Zach Wilson disaster. Teams will be interested. I just don't think teams are going to be interested in really giving anything up for it because they know the Jets are going to end up in that situation anyways. Like you said, I'm guessing they'll end up cutting him. The thing that you point so to is is that this is this wouldn't have happened with a competent organization. There, you're going to point at the New York Jets are a dumpster fire forever, and this is still a kid who at 24 years old, I, I guess is that, is that his age, that he he yeah. is worth. They're not going to get anybody to give anything up for him, but he's worth. You taking a flyer on him and bringing him in to camp and try and let him compete for a backup job. I mean, there were times this past season where Zach Wilson was not the problem. And we're talking about a player that, again, benched for Mike White back and forth with that whole situation, which was silly at the time. And then you bring in Aaron Rodgers, and then Rodgers goes down. You get thrust into a situation for an offense that's not designed for you. I mean, there's, again, there's a lot that goes into this evaluation of Zach Wilson. He'll end up somewhere, but we'll see what the market is for him. I don't think from a trade perspective, there's much of one. However, he is seeking that option. So we'll see. What we do know, though, is a player that is no longer on the Jets, and Mecole Hardman was very vocal about the Jets' shortcomings. He was on the Pivot podcast recently, the Chiefs wide receiver, coming off of a Super Bowl ring, another Super Bowl ring there for Mecole Hardman. He's feeling good. He's feeling so good that'll take some shots at his former team his tenureship with the Jets only lasted five games however he was not happy with the way that the Jets handled things during those five games that he played in here is Mecole Hardman on the Jets locker room lacking leadership you just got a new coach staff that came in. It's no standard there. It's like everybody do what they want to do. And defense have a more of a stabilized standard with that with the coaching staff on that side. So you could tell the defense got a standard, but the offense is just like, all right, we've just figured it out. It's Aaron show. Let Aaron do what Aaron do. You know what I mean? But then when Aaron go down, it's like we don't know what to do. Y'all can't tell me about winning. I know what winning looks like. Right. I know what winning is. So y'all keep telling me certain things. It's like I'm not going for that because y'all not doing it right. Like we got hammers on the ground. We don't got no discipline. People feel like it's too many individual egos in this locker room or whatever. And I'm telling them, I'm like, this not going to get y'all to win. It's not going to happen. So uh, he did not mince words there about how he felt like there was a significant lack of leadership and direction from Nathaniel Hackett there on the offensive side of the football for the New York Jets. He also talked on the Pivot podcast about his thoughts on heading back to KC, where they did, in fact, have that winning culture while he was still in New York. Take a listen. I feel you're right. I'm, I was so checked out. Like, it's over. I already talked to VJ, Pat. Like, bro, come get me, bro. Like, what are y'all doing? Like, what are we talking about? Like, man, come get me. Bro, like. But they do come get you, dog. 
So uh, James, so your team's it, your team's tampering, James. Your team is tampering. That's what I'm hearing. No. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't, talk to, like, you can't talk to Pat. If if it's no, I mean, if if it's true what he said, they definitely. Well, okay, you can talk to him, but he's saying there he talked to Beach. He's saying there he talked to the GM. I mean, that's certainly that. that's <laughs> certainly a no no. I don't have the rule book in front of me. I don't have it, but I'm pretty certain that's a no no. You can't go talking <laughs> to the GM. But here's where, and this this happens all the time now, right, Amber? Where you got these players and they'll go on the the new media podcasts, you know, and mm-hmm. then they they spill their guts and they say everything, and that's great. Like we like that stuff. But then when you have someone like say Rich Samini who covers the New York Jets for ESPN NFL Nation, and he just quotes verbatim what Michael Hardman says on a podcast. And then Michael Hardman's got to come back and do the whole, like, out of context thing. I mm-hmm. never said that. I never said I spoke. And it's like, no, these, like, y- you yes. literally said that you spoke <laughs> to Veach. We just played the clip. It's you. And you get the whole thing where, no, no, I never said that. I never said fake that. News, and now you got news. Yeah, yeah. That, that's new media. That's new media. Uh, and Michael Hardman absolutely stepped in it there because he did reveal that the Kansas City Chiefs were, in fact, tampering. If that is true, that's what they were doing. But also, he was very clear about the lack of direction for the Jets. And, I mean, it was scathing and, frankly, entirely believable, Zaslow, because it seems like from the outside looking in that they just handed the keys of the castle over to Aaron and really didn't have a plan after that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah they were, they're so focused. And I think it's the same focus going into next season, too. They're so focused on just getting to a place where Aaron Rodgers is their quarterback that they're willing to do everything and anything around that general idea. And we still haven't seen it. So because we still haven't seen it, we are back in the exact place they were going into last season where they're just going to do anything. And what winds up happening is you you have – I mean – you have a disgruntled employee, essentially, in Nicole Hardman, who I, I think clearly he's he, – look, I'm going to take his word for it. He says he spoke with the Kansas City Chiefs general manager. He says he also spoke with the quarterback. But you, you have players who are saying that they – you know, one thing was happening in the locker room, another thing was happening in the locker room, and now you're pitting one team against the other when, okay, I look at the Chiefs, who are a Super Bowl championship team, and I look at the New York Jets, who uh, – uh, like <laughs> or not to put it mildly, I, I'm, I'm inclined to believe what Miko Hardman is saying there. That just the evidence in front of me, Amber, the history of these two teams, it's pretty overwhelming. I, I mean, I, I think it's a bad look for Hardman. I don't think it's necessary for him to say these things, but I, I, I I'm probably on the side of the Jets not being run very well. I mean, I absolutely believe it because it's entirely believable based on what we saw play out on the field this past season. So, so Miko Hardman wanted to go from the Jets back to KC. He couldn't get back there fast enough. I guess the locker rooms didn't bother him. The facilities, the training room didn't bother him. Ah, sure as hell bothered a lot of other guys in the NFL. We'll get to that next year on ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. 
Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Kansas City Chiefs, if they were in school and taking a test and being graded on rings, would absolutely get an A+. Plus. But yeah. apparently, if they were being judged by their other classmates, they would be failing that mug severely because the Kansas City Chiefs were rated by other NFL players as a bottom-of-the-barrel organization to work for. Amber and Ian presented by Progressive Insurance. Zaslow is filling in for Ian tonight. We got the NFLPA grades, Zaslow. I like And the report cards, so to speak. It's fun that they do this. They did This is the second annual club report cards on workplace conditions that were released today where 1,706 players participated in this thing. They rank things like facilities, training staff, training facilities, how families are treated within your organization, ownership, of course, coaches, some of the things that you'd expect and some of the things that maybe you wouldn't expect, but of course are very important within a workplace if you're an NFL football player. So it's interesting to hear from these guys anonymously grade these teams, particularly since some of them have played on several. It's, now, uh, do, you, do you think they're being honest, or will they hold a grudge if their coach didn't play them as much as they want? Like, do you think they're being honest? So I think for the most part, they're probably being honest. Let's go through some of the stuff. I do yeah. wonder, with Kansas City, I think Kansas City, because, I mean, it's Kansas City is, is an F, like failing great. They got an and, overall and we'll F? We'll get to them in a moment. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they were really they're really, in some I'm of not sure categories. they're overall grains, but there are grains on 11 different categories. Okay, okay. Ownership, very low grade. You get training facilities. So apparently the thing with Kansas City yeah. that was rated the lowest was really seemed to be based around the training room and the training staff and the availability of the training staff, like the one-on-one treatment. Kansas City huh. Chiefs players don't feel like they get that. They feel like it's understaffed. They feel like the facilities aren't that great. And apparently some of it stems from the fact that they were promised by ownership after their last Super Bowl win that significant money would be thrown into the facilities. And then that didn't happen. Now, ownership has kind of come out and said, well, you guys haven't stopped winning, so we haven't had time because you keep going – and winning Super Bowls nah, and you keep playing in Super Bowls that's, that's <laughs> and keep playing in AFC championships. No. So we run out of time. We don't have time to upgrade these facilities. Obviously, that's not a very good excuse. I will say today, on the heels of this coming out, so I'm guessing the Chiefs knew that this was coming out because today they announced that the Chiefs would pay for upgrades to the stadium, $300 million worth from ownership, and another $500 million that's going to be paid by Jackson County taxpayers to upgrade the stadium and facilities. So okay. the Chiefs are trying to do a massive overhaul right now to upgrade all of their stuff. Okay. But 
it's interesting that, of course, that nugget has to drop on the same day that they get an F grade across the board. Yeah, Yeah, heady play. I I think I'm guessing that the Chiefs ownership, and this doesn't look good for the ownership, but the Chiefs ownership's like, hey, guys, we keep winning. So clearly we don't need a very well-staffed training room, right? Like, it's hard to argue we need dozens more trainers and we need all this fancy equipment when you're winning Super Bowls without any of it. (laughs) I got to be honest. helpful. I think it's such a nothing. I really do. I think it's such like how am I it definitely chief, the Chiefs fan definitely does not care at all. I mean, real quick, James Steele who produces Amber and Ian, do, just real quick. I just want a yes or no. Do you care at all about the Chiefs getting a low grade here? I mean, no, but what part of real it, quick? That's not real quick because he's because <laughs> I don't think he does say. I don't think he's thinking no. I think he's thinking that he does care a little bit. You do it, care. It could, imp- could impact. The uh, players wanting to come there to play or staying there. I mean, so, I, I mean, listen, do you feel like it has? Flip this, just won their second flip this the other way. Flip this the other way, Zaslow. When this came out, the highest ranked team on this list. By the way, the Chiefs were not the very lowest ranked. The lowest overall ranking here is the Commanders. Uh, when but you that's take not a surprise. The overall report card. Great. That's not surprising at all. But the Chiefs, the Chiefs were second to last. And the commanders have the excuse of like, hey, by the way, we just changed ownership. All of this is going to change. <laughs> Chiefs don't have much of an excuse. So they're ranking 31 out of 32 teams. But let's try this the other way. The best out of all of these teams in rankings yeah. is our Miami Dolphins. Oh, okay. I believe Do it. Do you like that as a Dolphins fan? Because I would say, yes, I like that. That well, makes yeah, me happy. Yes, I do like it. But at the same time, and it's not going to hurt to acquire players if you're considered to have Great ownership, great facility, any other stuff that they're ranking there. But you can see it clearly hasn't translated to the field. And when I say clearly hasn't translated to the field, yes, the Dolphins have been a playoff team the last couple of years. But Stephen Ross has been a really good owner, although a lot of pushback I've gotten on that at Miami Radio for many, many years. You as well, Amber. He's been a really good yep. owner for years. And it has not showed up on the playing field until recently. So that's what I'm saying where the Dolphins are at the top of this survey, but you're not seeing any difference on the field. The Chiefs are at the bottom of this survey, and they're the best team. They're the cream of the crop. And that's why I think just big picture-wise, I think it's a little bit of a nothing burger. I mean, I, I would not. I would push back a little bit on that. We're not seeing any of it on the field with the Dolphins. I mean, the Dolphins are significantly better now than they were seven years ago when you and I were talking about that, or eight years ago when you and I first started working together. Because they, <laughs> we they got good players. About that team. Because they well, got good course. players. Right, but of course. But also, maybe all the upgrades and all of these other things and all of these other categories do matter and also matter when you're, when you're courting free agents or if you're courting high-profile mm, I think what matters is how many zeros on the for. end of that contract. It's the zeros. That's what matters. The money. The money matters. They're not know. turning it down because, yeah, they're offering me the most money, but did you see how few dumbbells they have in that gym? I, there's no way that they care. But some of this... Some of this stuff is gross. Like, so the biggest jump, the biggest improvement for a team from last year to this year was the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's because last year the Jags were outed as having a rat infestation at their (laughs) practice facility. That was really bad. So this year the Jags took care of that, (laughs) apparently, and really cleaned things up. That really sounds like the bare minimum you could do. 
the Cardinals also I mean, improved. It's it like they were filming Ratatouille there, and they decided to get rid of the rat problem. It, it really seems like a bare minimum problem to solve. The Cardinals last year got low grades in a lot of areas. This year, they started offering daycare and a small family room, oh. and they halted its practice of charging players for dinner during the week. That significantly in, bumped charging them up in the rankings. They, you, they were charging players. That's some of these lame. teams don't feed players three times a day. We can go through. I mean, some of these things are hilarious. So let's just talk yeah, about I like this stuff. Yeah, we can go through this, I, I, and we're going to end up doing this again in the more. show, Come by on. the way, because there's another. so much to unpack here. The Atlanta Falcons, grade F for locker room, because apparently their lockers are very small, and they're big people, and they need larger lockers. Okay. And so they felt like that as large people, as 300-pound adults, uh-huh. that they do not fit comfortably in the Atlanta Falcons locker room. That's the Cincinnati times. Bengals got a D-plus because half of their showers in their locker room don't function properly, and the oh, ones that do good. have poor water pressure, and it's and the and the warmth is very short lived. That stinks. They have a trouble like hot that's water? the kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean that's like like these that's like players aren't making that stuff up. You know, I mean you're not throwing shade, but again, you got cut like, like that's a reality. It stinks, but I don't think it's stopping a single player from signing with them. Not one. The Tampa Bay Bucks apparently were sharing their facilities and had constant smell problems. There's quite a few locker rooms, Stank. by the way, that were outed as smelly. Coming up next here, we're going to try to figure out if anybody was telling the truth at the NFL Combine. A deep dive of trying to find a current athlete with the last name Wilson that I'm not willing to defend. Uh, yeah, you're... You're not going to find yeah, one. You're in on any of them that have your name. I mean, there's probably 50 guys named Wilson in the NFL. Is what I just found out by pulling all the names, all the players with the last name Wilson, and, and all of them. I, yeah. I mean, you you know no they problem. don't really you know represent your family, right? Eh, you don't know. Wilson's. It's a lot of us. You never know. All right, I'm on to the NBA so far. Also, no dice there, so. Just seems like I'm uh, defending Wilson's, at least for the time being. We launched a new segment here. Now, Zazla, last time you and I were on, we did Truth or Lie, Bron, if oh, you yeah. remember. And we bottled d- that one up. We're whether sending LeBron... it in for Marconi. That was a big segment right there. I mean, that was excellent. That's Radio Hall of Fame worthy is what that was. But we just were determining whether LeBron was telling the truth or, or you know, a little fib, a little lie there. So we have now advanced that segment to also apply to the NFL Combine. Okay. We don't call it Libron because that would be weird when it yeah, comes he, to he the NFL Yeah, he doesn't play in the NFL. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, that would be strange. So we just call it Truth or Lie. Oh, wow. Okay. We, don't, we I, don't have imaging for it yet, so I had to do, I had to do that Could have fooled lie. me. Truth. Truth or Lie. Is that good? I mean, spare no budget here on Amber and Ian. <laughs> it's the big budget that we have here on the mothership. That is ESPN. So this is sound from across the combine. We're going to find out if it's a truth or if it's a lie. Hello, James okay. Steele. Hey, you introduced hey, me today instead of not doing it like a good well, game yeah, show. Yeah, I have to introduce you because it's truth or lie. That hurts my ears. All right, just to make sure Zaz is ready today, we, we have to... 
Got to make sure he's ready to go, so we're going to do an easy one right off the bat. Okay. This is yesterday, Tom Telesco talking about Devontae Adams. Uh, he's a Raider. Truth or lie? Uh, that's, that's true. That's the truth. All right. I think he's ready. What do you think? Tell the truth. Yeah, I think I think he's ready to go. The machine has been calibrated. The lie detector calibrated. has been calibrated. That is, in fact, a truth. He is, in fact, a Raider. All right, perfect. All right, so the real one up first, Joe Douglas, uh, the Jets general manager. We heard from him a little bit earlier about uh, letting Zach Wilson uh, look for a trade out of New York. Uh, here he is talking about uh, how he feels about his team. There's a lot of talent coming back to this team. We have to add more to it. We know exactly what we have to do moving forward. The pressure is always intrinsic in this job whenever you walk in every day. Um, but I can tell you that we're not stressed. We're, we're, um, we're prepared. We're prepared to, uh, to answer the bell here with the decisions that have to be mo- made moving forward. And so um, and that, that, a lot of that has to do with the meetings that we had after the last time I talked to you guys. And feel, I feel really good about all of us, the personnel staff and coaching staff, analytics, everybody being on the same page. So Zaz is not stressed, prepared, and feeling good about his uh, team organization. Uh, Joe Douglas, truth or lies, Zaz? You know what? You may be surprised. I'm going to go truth. And the reason oh. I'm going – well, again, I, I can't tell if the studio audience is – like behind me or not? I I can never I, I don't know it's if they're. Like a moan. It's not it's like not they didn't like you. it. It's not for you to decide. It's for them. To All right. Know. All right. I I think this is a truth because I think the Jets there's the, the front office is so warped. They're so delusional when it comes to what they should be doing. They're listening to what Aaron Rodgers wants them to do. They're doing that, and so as long as they're doing the things that Aaron wants, they feel good about their team. So you know what. I, I think Joe Douglas is telling the truth there. So I had written down three things before James even repeated them himself, which are we're not stressed, we are prepared, and we're feeling good. And all three of those things are a bold-faced lie. There is zero chance that within the Jets organization that they are not stressed. They should all be very stressed. If this season doesn't go very well with Aaron Rodgers, which I don't have high expectations for it, then it's probably going to cost everybody their jobs, in which case everybody is stressed. Prepared? That's not a way that we've ever described the New York Jets, frankly, or not in the last 20 years. And feeling good doesn't apply to any team coming off of the dumpster fire that was this past season. All of it's a lie. James, Sorry, I had my no. I had my ears in no, the back wrong. In there. I had my ears in the wrong thing that I pushed my microphone on, and then I had to stop myself from swearing because you I had couldn't your hear anything. Ears in the wrong thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you've never had your ears in a wrong thing. Yeah, it was in the wrong. It was in the wrong <laughs> button. I had the wrong button pushed. So perfect over there. <laughs> All right. So up next, uh, Gerard Mayo, new head coach of the Patriots, and uh, talking about the changes he's made around the organization, and if uh, I don't know. Here he is. Look, it's going to be different, but at the same time, I would say Bill did a great job for a long period of time. I don't want you guys to take this as because we're changing as shots toward the previous uh, regime uh, and saying that we will do it differently and it'll feel different. But at the end of the day, we would like to replicate the success that the prior regime has had. And so uh, I learned a lot from Bill and also his staff. But now we'll, we'll see what this chapter looks like in the, in the franchise. Amber, uh, Mayo saying that the changes he's making in the organization aren't a shot at the previous regime, which, of course, was 
Bill Belichick and pretty much only Bill Belichick. Truth or lie? Well, I think he's telling the truth when it comes to Bill did a good job because, you know, six Super Bowls is a pretty good job. I think he's telling the truth when he says that he wants pretty good when he says we would like to emulate that success because, again, six Super Bowls, pretty successful. I think we all would all like that. Yeah, that would be that would be pretty good. I don't know if it does truthful in the fact that the changes aren't a shot, because the reality is you aren't making the changes. If you felt like what bill had been doing there the last few years was working, we know the entire system and the approach from Belichick, maybe not the approach. That's the best approach now in 2024. So yes, I understand Gerard Mayo has a lot of respect for bill. I do believe all of that, obviously for somebody coming from his regime. However, I think some of those changes are in direct contrast to Bill for reasons, Aslo. Yeah, no, I think he's telling. Oh, okay, give it up for Amber. There you go. I, I think this, he, this yeah. studio audience is very. Yeah, I know very it's very favorite. Uh, I like studio it. Audience. They're it's like, very, it's much better. Actually, it's weird. It's better. The studio audience seems a little bit better when Nick yeah. Cardi's in uh, than Rachel Robinson when she's wow. APing. I don't know what that's about. So, okay. yeah, I also say so far they really seem to be taking to you. They don't love me so much anyway. Let's see if I can change their mind. Uh, I think it's telling the truth. All right, but he could be telling the truth, and it doesn't need to be a shot at Belichick trying to do. Trying to do different from an organizational structure in how we handle the media, uh, how how we treat the players. Maybe we're a little bit less tight, you know, with everyone. Maybe we are going to play a different type of style. These don't have to be shots at Belichick. It could be the complete opposite without it being an insult. So I, I think I think Gerard Mayo is telling the truth there, and I think there's nothing wrong with it. By the way, Belichick got. Very bad grades with that whole NFL PA of course, of course report did. card grading that we got. We will get back to that a little bit later in the show. But yeah, the Belichick way apparently doesn't fun fly so well him. in 2024. It doesn't seem fun at all. Um, That's what I'm guessing Gerard Mayo is going to try to change a little bit. Belichick disciple Josh McDaniels, not uh, very good grades either. Uh, oh my gosh, like horrendous. We can, yeah, we can get into that a little bit later. Yeah, uh, we, we can't wait to get I'm going back to, to I'm going to, you know... Throw you guys a bone here. Let's talk about the Dolphins for a second. Ooh, I like that. Uh, as we know, yeah. Mike Tannenbaum threw out a kind of a wild trade idea on Get Up uh, last week. He was wiling. Yep. Yeah, J- Jalen Waddle for uh, Trent McDuffie. Uh, he, uh, Dolphins general manager Chris Greer was asked about that today. Uh, here it is. Are you going to trade Jalen Waddle, or would you consider it? <laughs> no, I said as I said in the middle of the season, I have no thoughts of trading Jalen Waddle. He's, uh, we want him here for a long time, and uh, we think he's a big part of uh, our now and our future here. Zaz, no thoughts at all about training Jalen Waddle, truth or lie? I think that's a truth, and I also think it's such a weird question to ask him because it's not like it was a report from Mike Tannenbaum. Mike Tannenbaum was putting on his executive hat and saying something that he would consider doing, not what is being considered. So the, just even asking Chris Greer that question, Mike Tannenbaum thinks you should do this. Are you going to do it? Like, it's such a weird question. But I think Chris Greer is clearly telling the truth. I Let me tell you something. I would trade Tyreek Hill before I traded Jalen Lies, Waddle. lies, lies. And no, mama. that's not lies. That's not lies. I knew, I knew Stephen A. was listening. That's not lies. I would trade Tyreek Hill before Jalen Waddle. He's so much younger. So, no. I think he's telling the truth there. 
Tyreek is still not 30 yet. He's 29 years old, but I understand what you're doing there. Yes, Jalen Waddle is still very young, obviously a hell of a weapon. So in this circumstance, I rarely believe a general manager when a general manager says, I have had zero thoughts about trading anybody, because the reality is on a lot of these teams, you should be having thoughts about trading every single player. It doesn't mean you're going to do it. Just kind of consider it when they're your assets, what you can get in return. Do you need to do this? The thing is with the Miami Dolphins, though, it's not like they're in a rebuild mode. And it doesn't make sense that you would trade your youngest receiver and one of your most dynamic weapons on that team right now anyway. So I tend to believe it in this situation. James? Yeah, okay. I mean, we've been talking about quarterbacks a bunch in the, the quarterbacks that were going to come out in the draft this year. Uh, one we haven't really talked about a lot is J.J. McCarthy, who led the Michigan Wolverines to a national title. Uh, about a month ago, uh, his teammate, Michael Barrett, a linebacker from Michigan, talked about J.J. McCarthy uh, to Nate Combine. And he's the kind of player that, you know, that Patrick Mahomes type that where, like, he can, you know, make a play at any moment. Like, you can't just sleep on it. You can't sleep on him when you think he's down or you can't uh, he'll throw a ball out his, out his butt for real. You know, like one of them. Like, you never know. All right, that's truth or lie that J.J. McCarthy can throw a ball out of his butt. Yeah, I, like, I'm going lie because, uh, first, that needs to be addressed. He definitely cannot throw a ball out his butt. That's a lie. Definitely can't do it. Patrick Mahomes can, in fairness. I, I'm you not even that certain can? that he can. I'm definitely going to lie. J.J. McCarthy throwing a ball out of butt butt. And the first part, though, what are you laughing at over there? And the first part. It's a great song, Mike. I'm not going to compare him to Patrick Mahomes. I understand, you know, the, the you know linebacker at Michigan is not as media savvy as everybody else, but he's not Patrick Mahomes. So I'm going to go lie. And we don't need you to talk about him being Patrick Mahomes. We just want you to talk about whether or not he can throw a ball out of his butt. That's a lie. Amber, I okay. dare you to say that's the truth. I dare you. <laughs> I don't know if JJ, I don't know if it's a truth or a lie. I, I have no experience You're with not willing JJ to bet McCarthy what you think? can, in fact, throw a football out of his butt. I mean, I'm just saying, I can't, I can't right know for sure. That he's not capable of it because I have not myself wow. witnessed it. I, I'm Good not for you. I'm not You're asking very confident. To. Oh. However, the comparison to Patrick Mahomes seems a little misleading, a little off base. I haven't heard anybody compare him to Patrick Mahomes. I have seen the best comparison from a draft analyst perspective in terms of like the best caliber of the, you know, top ceiling for him. I have seen Joe Burrow's name thrown around with JJ McCarthy. I haven't ever seen Patrick Mahomes name thrown around with JJ McCarthy, but listen, that was his teammate talking and you're going to talk up your guy. And if you're going to talk up your guy, you might as well compare him to the greatest. And you may as well say he can throw a ball out the butt. Because nobody can prove otherwise. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian, how close are the Dolphins and Tua on an extension? We'll get into that next. Tunga Valoa is coming off of his best season as a starter. He's a pro bowler coming off of this past season. He led the league in passing yards with 4,624. He threw a career-high 29 touchdowns. And he led the Miami Dolphins to an 11-6 and record. But is he going to get paid? Amber and Ian presented by Progressive Insurance. Zaslow filling in tonight for yeah. Ian. You can find him at Zaslow Show. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. So let's bring in somebody who knows the Miami Dolphins through and through. Marcel Louis-Jacques, ESPN Dolphins reporter, kind enough to give us some of his time. And Marcel, thanks 
let's just start with where this thing stands because now at the combine this week, it's seeming like we're getting somewhere with a Tua extension. So where are we at? Yeah, well, you know, like for the past two years, we've heard kind of the same deal from Mike McDaniel and Chris Greer that they have thrown their support behind Tua Tungabailoa publicly every time they've been asked. But the difference this time around this offseason is that they can put their money where their mouth is. He is eligible for an extension, and it makes sense. Last year, technically, yes, he could have signed one, but there were still too many question marks about his durability and his ability to play over the uh, you know, a full 17-game season. He proved that. Uh, he turned in a career best in passing touchdowns and passing yards. You know, statistically speaking, when you look at the, when you look at the numbers, it, it makes sense to sign him uh, long-term. The big question at this point is what does that contract look like? You know how the quarterback market goes, regardless of talent necessarily. You reset the market every summer. You reset the market. And uh, that is what my understanding, that is what Tua Tungamailoa's camp wants to do. Now, whether or not the Dolphins will grant that for him remains to be seen. There is not really much of a rush on their part to get a deal done right now. He does still have one more year left on that rookie contract. They can wait it out. But then you run the risk there of if he outperforms his production from this season, then that price tag is only going to go up. Marcel, when it comes to what money the team is going to offer Tua, which was more important this last season? The success that he and the team had or Tua making it through the entire season healthy? Well, I mean, if you ask him, uh, of course he's going to say the success that he and the team had, but in our reality, they, they go hand in hand, right? Because we, we just saw last season in 2022, this team's not going to go very far if he is not healthy, if he is not the quarterback. So I think because he stayed healthy, uh, because he stayed healthy, they were able to, you know, they were able to win 11 games. They were able to make the playoffs for the second straight time, which they haven't done since the turn of the century. So, uh, I, you know, while, of course, like I said, he will humbly say that the team success is more important. The reality is the team success would not exist were it not for his individual success and uh, his individual goal, accomplishing his individual goal of staying healthy over the course of the 17-game season. And that is something that he worked really hard on this past offseason. You doing something unorthodox like taking that jujitsu break ball uh, training. You know, he spent the, damn near the entire offseason literally learning how to fall properly. And you know what? It worked. When you watched him play last year, if you go back and look at the tape, there are several times where, you know, he will get pushed backwards. He will get hit. He will get blindsided. And he kind of just stumbles a little bit and then tumbles around his shoulders, keeps his head up, right? And doesn't hit it on the ground, which is, of course, something that he did not do successfully in 2022. So, yeah, his, his ability to stay healthy is by far uh, the biggest accomplishment for the Miami Dolphins last season. Yeah, people were mocking the jiu-jitsu training. And look at you now, uh, Tua. Look it at certainly you worked out. He was at, yeah, look See, at they won't step in the ring with them. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. <laughs> Apparently they're onto something there in jiu-jitsu. Uh, Marcel, I haven't heard any rumblings about this, but you're a lot closer to the Dolphins right now than I am. Is there any concern at all? It's hard for me to imagine with Tua's personality, but is there any concern at all that Tua could become a holdout at some point? I don't think so. Um, I do not think that's something, again, that's in his personality. That's not something that's in uh, obviously the best interest of, of the team. Uh, and, and again, he is under contract. This is not a scenario where he's played out his entire rookie deal 
like Lamar did, like he has to play. He has to play. And then even then, beyond this year, he can still get franchise tag next year. So he does not necessarily have a whole lot of power in the situation other than, you know, the dreaded contract holdout or the, the dreaded training camp and offseason activity holdouts. But I think that he knows ultimately if he is not at camp, if he does not go to offseason activity, it is going to set the team back uh, even further. And then ultimately that's going to set back because he's starting behind the ball and the chemistry is going to be pretty thrown off. He might be playing behind four new offensive linemen in 2024. Uh, Teron Armstead is mowing retirement. Isaiah Wynn, Connor Williams, Rob Hunt, all free agents. There is a lot that he's going to have to get used to uh, this offseason. So I think holding out while that's kind of like the, you know, the red button behind glass that, you know, we sometimes see players push. I think it would ultimately do more harm than good considering how much change we're going to see on the, uh, the Dolphins offense undergo. Marcel Louis-Jacques, ESPN Dolphins reporter, joining us here on Amber and Ian. Marcel, I got one more for you here. I, I got 30 seconds. The Dolphins scored very, very high on the player survey that came out today. As someone who's around the team, was there anything surprising there? Did that make sense to you? No, that made sense to me. They scored really highly last year as well. The only category that they didn't was game day family activities. And now there's a game day family lounge there in the tunnel at field level. It's something that we spoke to Chris Greer. It's something he said that the front office and the executive, they took very seriously this offseason and they made a lot of changes. And obviously it shows it's resonated with the players. So these are beautiful facilities inside and out. Uh, yeah, we know them well. That NFLPA report card, the Dolphins ranked as the best team in the entire NFL in every category with the best owner in the NFL, according to NFL players. Pretty cool as a Dolphins fan to see that. Marcel Louis-Jacques, he covers the Dolphins for us here at ESPN. Thanks, Marcel. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. I mean, really, Stephen Ross has done a hell of a job. And he doesn't, frankly, get enough credit, but he's done a hell of a job. He also spent a lot of his own money doing it, Zaslo. I like it that just the at the end the of the season. didn't have to pay for it. I like it just at the end of the season. The players can say, uh, you know what? We, we, the family experience needs a little bit of upgrade. And then they go and they do it, you know? Yeah. Well, we're going to get back into those grades also because there was a lot of that around the National Football League. But coming up next, is offense really a problem in the NBA? The NBA might think so. We'll get into that on ESPN Radio.